Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The United States is at an inflection point in its energy history, with both Republicans and Democrats trying to shape it. The demand for energy has never been stronger, and companies are eyeing projects in solar, wind, fossil fuels, as well as new technologies like small nuclear and hydrogen. But building things at scale seems to have never been more difficult. Conflicting authorities, complex environmental reviews, lawsuits, and NIMBYism have all made it more complicated to permit and construct these projects that are the engines that power our economy. Both parties agree that the system of building infrastructure needs to be overhauled, but they just can't agree on how to do it. Believe me, I've listened to them disagree for these last two years covering Congress. So today, I thought we should talk to the guy in charge of coordinating permitting approvals for the Biden administration, Eric Badel. He's the executive director of the Federal Permitting Council, and he's worried that the potential return of Donald Trump to the White House could undermine progress that Biden has made at approving clean energy projects, especially offshore wind. I I would be lying if I didn't say I was somewhat terrified. Here's our extended conversation with Eric. It's Thursday, February 8th. Eric, so we've called you the permitting fixer because your job is a big one, even if it's maybe kind of fairly new, people might not know about it. So tell us what you do and what your day-to-day experience looks like. Sure. So the day-to-day really is working across the federal family, ensuring that we are maintaining open lines of communication amongst the agencies that are represented on our council. I have frequent calls with our members, the deputy secretaries of the various agencies, frequent communication with the White House offices who are involved in infrastructure development, and also outreach with stakeholders, whether it be project sponsors or industry groups who are interested in the work that we do. Really, what we are here to do is to provide sort of that unique role as a conduit between the sponsor and the agencies to help kind of elevate the state of the practice in permitting, but also to provide kind of a translation, uh, if you will, of that kind of the, the complexities of permitting so that people can understand of like what to expect when they come in for a permit, when they have these large multi-billion dollar projects what do we need to do to prepare for this? And how do we set ourselves up for success? And we're here to help them navigate that process. You know, obviously permitting is a challenge. Are we just paying attention to it more because of the need to build all this clean energy infrastructure? Or is it kind of been a problem that extends you know, back before kind of the recent attention? Like, why do you think permitting in this country is so difficult? My entire career has been focused in permitting. So if it wasn't a challenge, uh, I would probably be doing something else. So I've been doing this for, you know, 20 some odd years, and it has always been a difficult thing to do. And that is, you know, it's kind of a natural byproduct of the way that our federal, state, local laws are set up. You know, we have conflicting authorities that naturally create a tension between certain laws. You know, they don't always seek the same outcomes. They have different protections for different purposes, and we have to manage those trade-offs. And so it forces you to weigh pros and cons of your decision-making, and it makes for these decisions to be difficult. You have to weigh public input, and you have to consider the outcomes. And that does require a certain amount of time and consideration and evaluation, but there are ways to do it more efficiently. And I think we are 
Because of the infusion of all of the money from the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act, the IRA, CHIPS, and all of these other significant investments that the president has made into our economy, we are seeing a tidal wave of infrastructure projects that are coming forward. With that comes a tidal wave of permit applications. And there is a recognition that if we don't get this right, if we don't figure out how to do these permits more efficiently, then we're not going to realize the promise of these investments. We're not going to get these projects built in a way that is going to deliver on the economic growth uh, opportunities. We're not going to deliver on the benefits to the communities that, where these projects are intended to be built. And so we have to, we got to fix it. We got to figure out how to do it right now. And you're obviously doing what you can from your seat, but I mean, what if Congress can't do anything? It hasn't happened yet. We spoke seven months ago, right? We were kind of in the same place. I mean, what if Congress can't do anything? Are all those goals you mentioned, I mean, not reachable? No, I think that there's a lot that we can do. So Congress gave the Permitting Council $350 million in the Inflation Reduction Act as part of our Environmental Review Improvement Fund. And that's basically our operating fund. And we have taken some of that money. $155 million of that has been directed towards agencies that are represented on our council to help build capacity within those agencies to help address kind of triage issues within those agencies to speed the efficiency of permit reviews and application reviews at those agencies as the influx of these projects come through. We've also developed an IT kind of challenge grant program within the permitting council so that the agencies can submit their ideas to us on how to develop IT solutions that will speed up the efficiency of permit reviews. Absent congressional action, we have resources and the opportunity to do things within the authorities that we currently have to make significant improvements. But in your, I mean, in your conversations with the administration, I mean, do, is your sense that they think that's enough and that they've kind of given up on Congress? Because, I mean, I, Podesta was really talking it up, I think, months back and now less so. Obviously, it's an election year. There's a lot going on. But I mean, is it is not a much a priority to see Congress act in this area at this point? I think anytime you bring the election year politics into it, 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 everything becomes a little bit more difficult to weigh, you know, how you're going to get some of these, what would normally be bipartisan pieces of legislation through because the optics of giving a win to the other side become that much more stark. You know, we obviously, in our role at the Permitting Council, we have a unique perspective of seeing how these permanent actions, what works and what doesn't work from the project sponsor side and from the agency side. And we have what has historically been very much bipartisan support for the work that we do. And we have open lines of communication with congressional offices and we, you know, we share our experiences with them and try to help provide our technical support to them to inform their thinking on this. But I don't, have a crystal ball to be able to predict what's going to happen. I, I know that there is still a fair amount of discussion on the Hill. Energy and Natural Resources Committee in the Senate is obviously they still have strong confidence that they're going to push something out of committee. Do you talk to them? I mean, do you talk to Joe Manchin? Do you talk to John Barrasso? We have spoken with committee staff a few times. We did just recently hire a director of legislative and intergovernmental affairs to really build out our relationship with the Hill. We have not had someone previously in that role. And, and I recognize that that is something that is absolutely critical for us to be 
an active participant in these conversations. We need Congress to understand what our work is, but also to be able to build those relationships with those offices so that we can share our experiences. And Alexis Siegel has been absolutely critical to that work. And we are still introducing ourselves to those offices and helping them understand what we do. But we are engaging to the extent that we can to help provide whatever assistance that we can to them as they debate, you know, whatever permitting reform actions they're considering. I mean, when you talk with offices or your congressional affairs person talks with offices, I mean, what are you hearing from Republicans about the transmission challenge, which we've talked about before? I mean, clearly, this is what the administration talks about the most as far as we need to get these interstate power lines built easier. We need to deliver all this clean energy you know, our processes don't make that possible right now. But, you know, in my conversations, I'm on the Hill all the time. I don't really hear the Republicans still really engaging on it. So, I mean, what, what is it different behind the scenes? I mean, what are you saying to make that case? No, I think what we hear more on the Republican side is very much the interest in judicial reform. The permitting reform on sector-specific issues is less of a critical concern and more of a, well, how do we make sure that once you get a permit that you actually continue to build it and you don't have to deal with these issues after the fact? And their concern, at least from you know what I have heard in, in our conversations, has been how do we clean up the judicial review issues to reform the statute of limitations, to limit the ability of plaintiffs to file suit on a decision? How do we limit the scope of those who can file suit against a, a decision or whatever other elements of, of judicial review that they want to tackle? Obviously, from my perspective, judicial review is a critical piece of the decision-making process. We want to make sure that the decisions that we render are defensible and they are done appropriately. It is the pendulum swings from administration to administration. So what we think is being done appropriately when the next administration comes in, if it's of a different party, we may believe that they don't follow all of the steps that we think are important. And we want to have the opportunity to litigate those and challenge those to ensure that they are following the letter of the law and are doing the full rigor of the analysis that is appropriate. Yeah. I mean, on, on litigation, I mean, clearly that is the Republican priority. That's everything I hear as well. But I mean, for Democrats, right, that's where they're maybe some of them have to get more comfortable. You know, there does seem to be resistance to attempts to kind of limit the litigation process, even though developers often cite this as their biggest problem, since we know the environmental community, you know, is probably opposed to some changes there. So, I mean, what are the your conversations with Democrats like and why, you know, why do they need to engage on that? There is probably appetite for judicial review. The trade-off has to be that the opportunity to engage early has to be maintained and has to be prioritized to ensure that the voices are heard during project development so that those are considered and that they're, if there is a reduction in the opportunity to challenge at the end, that we don't shortchange the opportunity at the front end. So at the end of the day, we cannot limit the public's opportunity to engage in the process. So if we are shortening the time frame for litigants to bring challenge to decisions, that's okay, you know, to provide greater certainty to the timelines, but that means that we have to ensure that we are providing certainty and opportunity for them to engage and ensure that we are building out a more robust engagement process at the front end because we want to ensure that those who are most directly affected by these projects have the opportunity to inform them. And that is something I think that is a fundamental principle 
of the Democratic side. But do, but Democrats, do they proactively bring up judicial reform or is it transmission is what you're hearing from them? I mean, we, we want transmission. Yes. That judicial reform, I don't think, is something that is a priority for the Democratic side. I mean, so do you see these two pieces as kind of judicial review and transmission as kind of these are the core elements and you kind of build around that? That would seem to be where we are. And I think that, you know, finding the middle ground, um, what is palatable on the judicial review side to ensure that we also advance projects that are going to meet the clean energy needs. And I, the, the question is going to be, are we able to advance transmission projects without excluding potentially other types of projects? Is it only going to be transmission? Will they also have to accept other types of projects, whether it be pipelines or other transmission, You know, whether it be not just electricity transmission, but also transmission of natural gas or potentially carbon capture or other types of linear transmission projects? And just one more, I mean, you mentioned the pendulum swing in the context of judicial review, but just generally, I mean, obviously this administration's emphasis is more on the clean energy side. I mean, how concerned are you that a change administration, potentially the Trump administration again next year could have a different approach to permitting and maybe undermine some of the moves you're making on the clean energy side? I, I would be lying if I didn't say I was somewhat terrified. What we saw during the last Trump administration is that offshore wind essentially stood still. If you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down 75% in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? They stopped all progress on environmental reviews for offshore wind projects. They basically stopped the progress. And what we've had to do since coming in was to pick that up. And that led to a lot of these delays. And if we had to do that again, coupled with the previous supply chain issues that we've already had to reconcile, that could be a death knell to this nascent industry. And that would be catastrophic to our hopes and dreams of of our clean energy transition. I think beyond that, permitting at its core needs to consider the environmental effects of the project, identify mitigation to offset those effects where they're unavoidable, and ensure that the community has a, a voice in the decisions that are made. Anytime you try to shortchange any piece of those, any part of that process, you result in worse outcomes with less community support and uh, worse community outcomes. And I'm you know, concerned that any sort of streamlining efforts that, that might occur under a new Trump administration could worsen those effects for communities, particularly unserved communities, communities of color, disadvantaged communities. And I, I think that you know what we prioritize at the, at the Permanent Council and within this administration is really giving those folks a voice, and we want to make sure that we continue to do so. And would you say that given that there's such discretion in permitting from an administration side, that that makes it even more imperative? Just, I mean, you said the word terrified. I mean, <laughs> that, you know, for Congress to get something done, because I hear a lot of people saying, well, we can just do it in a Republican administration because Republicans have long talked about permitting. But it's permitting, we know, is it, it's, a, it's a vague term, and everyone seems to have a different definition of what permitting means to them. Yeah, I mean, permitting is, it encompasses a lot of different things. I mean, at the end of the day, it's what enables you to build infrastructure, and it could be any step along the way. And there are a lot of different things that you have to complete in order to get to that end state of actually building the project. But all of it has to come together in order to do that and and to do it right to ensure that you are protecting the environment to the extent that you can, that you're mitigating the negative effects, you're giving a voice to the to the people who are affected, is all part of that process and doing it the right way. And I think shortchanging any of that is less than optimal and, and oftentimes very much negative. 
And so what, when I say terrified, it is the reprioritization of the projects of, you know, completely shutting down reviews because you would have the president would have the opportunity to direct resources away from environmental reviews of projects that are underway currently. So like offshore wind or other renewables could just stop. And that would then obviously not enable us. It would slow or completely eliminate our our ability to transition and then further our contributions to greenhouse gases and climate change. But then also where are our focus on environmental justice under this administration and how that is incorporated into our environmental reviews, that's an administrative priority. That doesn't have to be an administrative priority under a new administration. Those are elements that are not baked into the law. Those are elements that are baked into the administration's policies as how they approach it. And so those are discretionary actions. And so outside of even Congress, even if they were to act this year, I mean, there's still a level of discretion within permitting. There absolutely is. For more news on energy and environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, who is innovating to help responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.